Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Don't forget to check out my website, mysenseofsoul.com, and go check out our new affiliates on the Network of Lightworkers page. There's some good opportunities for everyone to work with some of the amazing guests that I've had on recently. But on today's episode, I have with me Christina Mann-Lachiani. She is an international speaker, an entrepreneur, artist, philanthropist, mother of two, and co-founder of Mind Valley. She's joining me today to tell us about her new book, Becoming Flossom, a celebration of our whole selves, warts and all, and the glory that is to be found in living in our truth. Welcome, Christina. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. So let's just jump into this. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to creating Mind Valley. To the question, who am I? I guess it's the hardest question. We keep asking that question from from the moment when we start thinking abstract all the way to to our last breath, or at least the humanity has been doing that. But if I were to recite uh, like my my credentials from the bio, then I'm uh, an entrepreneur, co-founder of Mind Valley, a writer, and also that's these are the major things which are relevant to, to this conversation. As to Mind Valley. It's, um, I'm a co-founder, so I've been um, with Mind Valley from the very beginning. In fact, uh, usually <laughs> when people ask me how I ended up in Mind Valley, I say I registered it, which is true. <laughs> but uh, on a less serious note, or maybe that wasn't very serious already, I ended up in Mind Valley by accident, and it wasn't my plan in my life. Uh, I was uh, pursuing a completely different career, but uh, I gave up my successful career in Estonian government at the age of 25 because I made a choice for love. I actually married and moved to New York and having moved to a completely different environment, of course, my uh, government career in Estonia didn't make sense there anymore. So I had to start from scratch and what made matters a little more complicated, I didn't have a work visa because uh, my then husband was also a foreigner. So the best thing I could do was to help him with Mind Valley, and that's how I ended up <laughs> uh, doing it. Uh, but for, for a few years, I was still searching myself, coming back to your question about who I am. <laughs> and I went to upgrade my education so that I had easier chances finding a job uh, in Western world because I was born in Soviet Union. But I never used this education for to finding for finding job because I ended up actually doing much more of my own uh, my own things than uh, than working for someone. So that's a very short intro. <laughs> so it seems like part of your self-discovery and everything that was a part of your journey, you know, even before Mind Valley then. Yeah, that's I I wonder. I I mean, uh, we have a certain personality and I guess uh, being a little bit more in my head and a little more philosophical probably was always part of it. Uh, Also, I uh, love literature. uh, So I'm quite sure everybody wonders who I am. (laughs) I think when I was a very little kid, at some point I had this... Uh, weird idea crossed my mind that what what if I am the main character and you know everybody else and everything else is just re- revolving oh. around your own existence. Uh, later, I found out that apparently that's a pretty interesting illusion, which is not very unique to me. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting to think of, isn't it? So, when you talk about how you love literature, like what kind of books were you reading? Like, what, like what's your fave? I prefer um, classical literature from uh, a little uh, older days somehow. I do not know. Maybe because it's a slower pace uh, kind of adventure and um, it gives you time to just enjoy and be in this other world. My favorite authors are Bulgakov, uh, Jane Austen, uh, Dostoevsky, definitely. Um, I like Bronte, uh, uh, this kind of literature. And your new book coming out, Being Flossom. 
<laughs> I mean, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> Blossom. What is, what is Blossom? Uh, I believe flossom is when you find peace with your imperfections. I don't have a very uh, sad definition because it's an orphan word I found on the internet and I adopted it uh, and because nobody else wanted it, it's mine now, but <laughs> not, not completely mine. There are a lot of different ways to look at this. So I believe that my book is uh, in essence um, a tutorial to uh, your journey back to you. And uh, Flossum is a unique destination. So the essence of it is that you uh, embrace your imperfections, you embrace yourself fully the way you are, and you uh, you maybe revel in it in some way. Uh, but what it means to be Flossum is uh, up to the reader to decide. Mm, I like that. Well, you know, it reminds me of this word that one time, it was when my oldest daughter was in middle school, so it was a long time ago, and this girl said, you're so purtiful. <laughs> and I, I never forgot it. <laughs> I just think it's such a cool word. I love fun words. I actually but, love yeah. when kids come up with uh, their own words. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Totally. I love it. But, you know, a lot of people are, are going inward to find out really truly who they are, not who the world wants them to be, not the government or the society, all of these things. They're really searching for who I want to be, you know, when I grow up. And I have two, you know, kids in their 20s and I've seen this and thank goodness I have awakened more to allowing them this space as they've gotten older. But at first when they were younger, I mean, I totally had it set what they were going to be. <laughs> you're going to play baseball. You're going to do this. You're going to believe in this, which is so unfair. Wow. I put them in a box, even while I was pregnant, they were going to be these things. Well, it's uh, it's a little more precise definition, but a lot of us, whether we like it or not, we still define for their kids, what they're going to be. They're definitely going to be successful and happy. Yeah. <laughs> It's a problematic wish uh, because it, uh, there's research. I actually haven't looked into it, but I, I keep coming across that that article that uh, proves that um, it's not in our hands to make sure that our kids are happy. I know. I know. It's their journey. That was such mm -hmm. a huge awakening for me as a parent to realize that, oh, my gosh, every time I was trying to catch them for making a mistake and not wanting them to suffer through things. It's hard for me to not you know, want to catch them and make everything right for them. But yeah, ultimately, as long as they don't stay in the suffering, right, it's actually life lessons. Well, it's not even um, the question whether we can do anything, should we? But very often uh, people get their life experiences uh, because uh, there is a lesson to be learned. And I'm not saying that it's kind of divinely predetermined. What I'm saying is that if you're experiencing a certain thing, then on a very practical level, probably you're lacking a skill to deal with that thing. That's why you're experiencing it. Uh, so uh, very often when we, out of best intentions, try to solve uh, the problems for our children, what we do is that we deprive uh, them the ability to deal with uh, regular life. And research does show that contemporary youth, uh, people who are in university right now, uh, who have been subject to a lot of helicopter parenting, their executive functioning is much lower than, uh, say, 20 years ago. So it's not a very uh, far-sighted decision to, um, to solve your problems for your children. But with that said, as a mother, I understand that your heart might be hurting looking at your child doing <laughs> doing uh, things which which you know are maybe not right. And the answer comes uh, from unexpected place, at least to me. There was the song, I think it was about four or five years ago, very popular Tom, by Tom Walker, Live Your Light On. Um, mm -hmm. It's Good. a beautiful song. It's Of course, it's actually about drug addiction, but the message is very strong. The best thing you can do for your loved one is not to solve their problem, but to mm -hmm. leave your light on for them no matter what happens. Oh, that is such a good lesson. And you know, what's really interesting is that as my children were coming into themselves in their late teenage years, I was coming into myself and I am coming into myself so late because I didn't have the space, you know, that I've actually given to my kids. So I think this kind of book right now for this time, a lot of people no matter what generation it's going to be beneficial because no matter where you are in life, no matter what age, this is something that we're kind of always 
seeking is like, what is my purpose? Who am I? You know, what is life about? You know, what am I here for? I really hope you're right. And uh, when I was uh, writing this book, maybe because I'm so fascinated by all the literature, I was always wondering, I wonder if what I'm saying would be relevant 200 years ago. Of course, uh, humanity is going to evolve. And uh, some, some of the questions that, let's say, authors of the 19th century were trying to answer uh, a little bit maybe not as sharp nowadays but still the philosophy doesn't change and actually uh, there is a huge uh, pop- uh, surge in popularity of uh, stoics nowadays uh, which actually shows that we as humanity although our civilization kind of grows but our uh, psychology or our um, relationship with life and with ourselves and with each other uh, it's uh, it's in essence the same well, that's kind of ironic because just last week I read the book *The Republic* by Plato. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it, it, it's an educated guess. There's a lot of um, Stoics are super popular right now. I do have my own uh, concerns with their teachings, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, right. one of them has lived to this day to argue with me. But it is so interesting because I've also been studying like the lost gospels that are not so popular, you know, and uh-huh. I studied the Gnostic gospels for a few years. And it's so true, though, a lot of the stuff is relevant for today, even when we're talking about like, you know, holistic medicine and stuff like that. People are really interested in that today because they don't want to take a medication that has 15 letters in it and they have no idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, we or maybe we should learn Latin and then it wouldn't be so intimidating. Yeah. But, you know, to make things even scarier, a lot of the research is done on animals <laughs> and then translated oh. into humans. So, you know, we may say whatever we like, but we are in essence. And in fact, our brain still works the same way it worked in the humans who lived 12,000 years ago. So, you know, we might want to flatter ourselves that we've gone very far, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure there were pretty... Uh, woke and uh, spiritual people yeah. very long time ago. I know. And I've seen that too, because, you know, researching all those things, I was finding that a lot of the practices people were teaching today are just actually ancient mystery school teachings. Terminology is different, but it's pretty much the same methods. By the way, very mindful of you that you would consider, would this be <laughs> beneficial and still relevant in a hundred years? Because I think that that's kind of like the goal is to create content that's evergreen. <laughs> it's interesting you pointed it out. I've never thought about it this way, but I would agree. I think we as a society have become a little too superficial. There has been also, it has been noticed that uh, our attention span has uh, shrunk so much because we've been fed this bite-sized information for a long time, uh, starting with the news, but then also all those sitcoms that came <laughs> The reality so shows, those things which <laughs> soap operas, everything. I uh, I'm not very versed in that, but yeah, uh, I do watch movies, by the way, but not just not not super long ones. And we as humans have stopped being able to consume big quantities of, of information, and our attention just goes away. But I also know that humanity goes through periods, and um, it's uh, there is a pendulum theory, which I don't know very deeply yeah. to explain it, but uh, it in essence what it says is that we go from one extreme to another uh, over a span of uh, some kind of cycle. I think we're going to get fed up with uh, bite-sized information at some point and crave for deeper <laughs> deeper knowledge and, and, and slightly slow, slower pace. And maybe, maybe nature forced us into that when we were stuck at home for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. believe, I believe that things come back, fashion comes back, platforms mm-hmm. came back, <laughs> mini skirts yeah. came back. <laughs> So true. That's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot about that. I think it was last night I was listening to this one YouTube. It's called, it's like Jason from Archaics. And he was talking about like 138 years. It was like something very specific. And and actually I fell asleep to it. And I was like, I got to remember to go back and, and listen to this. But, you know, even in our own lives, you know, we go through these cycles And I know for myself, like I'm in the crone phase and I'm letting my hair go gray and I'm like embracing this wisdom that comes with age and not rejecting it. And I have a lot of, you know, friends around me that are having a hard time with getting older and I'm trying to find like that maiden within me again, that playfulness and, and that 
is not always physical, but it's an energy that never dies within you. It's part of you. I'm not afraid of getting older. I'm not afraid of, you know, change in that way anymore than I would have been, you know, had I been not able to connect with that deeper part of myself. And if I was just superficial. It's uh, it's an act of rebellion, though, nowadays, because uh, we live in a society that not only um, adores bite-sized information, it also adores youth and beauty, uh, mm-hmm. which is particularly hard on women. Uh, the journey for men is a little lighter, and you might say that I'm stereotype- making stereotypes, but we do true. appreciate uh, achievement in men, and that usually increases with age, and we appreciate... Uh, skinniness beauty and youth in women and that doesn't <laughs> increase well, gray, you know gray hair looks good on guys it just totally does it gives them like if, a distinguished look if we if we look at it very superficially you would find articles all those guys who have become more attractive yeah. and sexier with age but you don't Correct. get a lot of that with women unfortunately i know which is so sad because when i think about like the most influential woman in my life was my grandmother. We called her Momoa, but you know, and she was beautiful in so many aspects. And I don't think that we look at our elders that way. They're so beautiful. Like every single wrinkle on their face is part of their life. I do not know who I'm quoting. That too will pass. I'm sure everything we, we as humanity, we will find out things and I believe that with every uh, with every loop we become a little bit better Uh, uh, we used to love slightly healthier bodies and slightly more natural uh, looks and uh, maybe wisdom and we'll get back to that I believe in that Yeah. yeah for sure and you know I think that also we're these younger generations are less conditioned, right? So I do see a huge change in my older kids and my 10 year old. She is so accepting of everybody. I mean, and it's like a power within her that she is determined to make sure that people know that, that she is that way. And that's beautiful. That means we have evolved. I uh, I agree completely. I feel uh, if if there's generation, I feel a little sorry about it. <laughs> Actually, your twenty year olds, I think yes. they, they had it hard uh, because we haven't figured ourselves out yet, and now now we're getting a little better. In fact, we were watching uh, just before this. <laughs> we we are catching up with my children on uh, on old classics on TV, so we're watching of all movies, James Bond. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh. The older versions. And oh, my God, how, <laughs> how odd it is to watch it now. But you know what's funny? I don't have to explain any of that to my children, which is beautiful, because I remember the discussion we had just 10 years ago. And, and this generation already gets how, how bizarre, how bizarre the d- dynamics between men and women was in those I, days. I feel like they need support. They do need awakened elders or mentors above them to help support them because they're in this very unstructured environment right now because there's nothing really because they're bright they broke out of the box but there's no structure for them do you see that I do not have fortunate unfortunately I I do not have kids of that age uh, to yeah meet have a close enough look at on them uh, I'm just uh, I, I based the statement yeah. that I made that I feel sorry for them on a lot of research that a lot of them uh, don't have a strong executive functioning which okay. I mentioned I know a lot of uh, the kids of that age don't date anymore have issues with um, with commitment and and uh, the sex has go down so the, these are the only reasons why I mentioned that yeah. but I also believe that uh you know, there are two two ways to look at the world. And I know that uh, despite uh, our overwhelming uh, desire to be positive, uh, still the assumption, very often the assumption is, and it's uh, unvocalized assumption that people are by nature lazy and evil. Uh, and my assumption is... Uh, I always believe in the goodness of, of humans. And why am I saying that... Uh, that there is the assumption that people are by nature lazy and, and evil is because a lot of my own industry where that that I have contributed to to building uh, personal growth and transformation uh, functions on the statement that oh you're you're getting it wrong you've been taught wrong let me tell you and the idea that you can't trust your body you can't trust yourself you have to have someone tell you how to uh, how to move on especially if we come if we talk about health and wellness uh 
there are not many teachers who are about um, having such a good connection with your body that, you know, like animals, maybe I'm uh, slightly, slightly romanticizing the ability of animals to heal themselves. But in that sense, like just trust that your body knows what it's, what it's doing. And I think this this kind of trusting relationship with yourself is something which we are not very good at uh, in uh, in the 21st century. No. You know, I often sit and wonder why I was reading books that were written by men to tell me what to do <laughs> while I'm pregnant or right when I have a baby. You know, when we are, we have this natural mother instinct like an animal would. And, you know, it's not taught to trust. I mean, I was never taught, oh, you should ask your body what you should do. I'm huge on discernment. It's one of my biggest things that I feel, you know, was lacking in my life. But mm -hmm. yet I was an empath. I definitely, well, everyone I believe is an empath. So we're feeling all these things and, and no one ever tells us what it might be. So I thought it was crazy. <laughs> I agree that uh, pregnancy is a huge school of trust for women if uh, we are allowed to to do that. Uh, I unfortunately, both my pregnancies happened in Asia. And I'm saying unfortunately, because <laughs> it's... Um, I've been told a lot of things <laughs> about what, what what might go wrong. It, it takes uh, it takes a little bit of courage to trust yourself, and I think that's something which we as a humanity should try to explore next. You think about it. There are so many books on you know what you're supposed to do for pregnancy. Yes. So many books on what you're supposed to do how to raise your kids. Then there's so many books on how to be a good mom and be a good wife and all the things. And now, you know, there are more books, though, that are telling you to go within instead of seeking all of it outside of you. Hey, listeners, so sorry for the interruption. I'd like to tell you about Uncovering the Mysteries of Kabbalah, an amazing opportunity to be mentored by one of Sense of Soul's affiliates, Rabbi Matthew Ponak. If you've listened to my prior episodes with him, then you know he has a ton of wisdom to share and is offering Sense of Soul listeners a special discount to take a deep and personalized dive into Kabbalah and the unfolding of your own personal journey. If you're interested, go to matthewponak.com backslash sense of soul. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-P-O-N-A-K.com backslash sense of soul to learn more and sign up. Now back to our amazing guest. It is the reader's personal journey. So for that transformation to happen, it's not enough to, to hear new ideas or maybe not new, maybe or ancient ideas from, <laughs> from thousands of years ago. Yeah. Uh, what you need for, for the information to change your life, uh, you have to feel it. And to feel it, you have to uh, turn it inside using your own words. You have to, to do the introspection. That's why I like to ask questions because if uh, information changed anything by now, after all those, I do not know how many thousand years we've been writing <laughs> and passing on information. We would have, we would have been happy by now, but information doesn't change anything. It's uh, it's the information plus experience, the introspection when when it travels from the cognitive level to the level of your heart. That's when your life starts changing, and that's why I ask a lot of questions and I invite my reader to uh, to do this introspection, to sit to sit and and ask themselves that self inquiry. I like you. I deep dive into some pretty heavy stuff. Sometimes I'm doing it just out of curiosity. However it always has returned back to me and has helped my spiritual growth in some way. Uh, you know what? Curiosity is the best fuel for transformation, better than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Some people actually even say, you know, you shouldn't deep dive, like it's too much or, you know, <laughs> it's just the way that I am because I always, I want to know how it works. I want to know why. I want to know I, how. You, I, I absolutely relate because... Um, in in personal growth, especially in the twenty first century, the idea that you are in your head is uh, a little bit unfashionable. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to be in your body, in your heart, in the present moment, anywhere but your head. So I get it, but that's that's one of my uh, dragons, one of my flaws, which I have learned to uh, accept. 
One thing I can say, I do not know the answers for people, and it may be very infuriating. I, I know I've, I've talked to some uh, some of my students where they would ask a question and I would say, like, but you're, the, you're the person who knows the answer. I don't. I can't tell it for you. I know it's infuriating, but people listen because deep inside they know that's the truth. So I don't believe in absolutes. I don't know what's true for you, but there is the truth inside you, and it's your truth. So I can give you my truths, all you like, all I like, but they won't change anything. It's once you have your own truth, that's when your life starts changing, which is why I encourage people to ask themselves, because in there are no absolutes in life and in personal growth, particularly. And if you think of your own journey, because I'm sure you have been on this path for years, what worked for you 10 years ago probably is absolutely irrelevant right now. Or maybe it's trite, or maybe it's tired, or maybe the exact opposite of what you need right now. But 10 years from now, what you might need may be something so irrelevant to you right now. And not just irrelevant. You know, sometimes some people need to slow down and other people need to get their bodies off the, uh, off the couch. So which advice is correct? It doesn't depend on the person who shares the advice. It depends on the person who, who is either on the couch or running in a hamster's wheel. It's up to you to answer the question what you need i so agree with you and i feel like if when you don't do that and you're just following one way you're just putting yourself back in the box that you tried <laughs> to get out of for 40 years it's, you know, I've been in this industry for 20 years and I've seen this story repeat over and over again. And I hope I don't insult anyone, but that's it. it the pattern is there. People rebel. They don't like what society wants of them. They don't like the peer pressure. They say, my mom wanted me to be a lawyer. I chose to give it all up. I don't believe in that kind of success. I redefined success. I went to Bali. I lived the lives of my dreams. And then, and I'm sorry for using Bali. It may be any other place. It may be any other circumstances. <laughs> but the point is that they end up in the new set of dogma and peer pressure. And I've seen that over and over again. And they become the same kind of serfs, slaves, whatever you like to use, whichever word doesn't insult you, of new set of dogma and traditions and rituals, which you absolutely have to follow. Because if you don't, then you are a failure. And maybe that's not the failure according to your previous life. But it doesn't matter. It's a new set of shackles. It is so true. I found, I mean, just a simple example. I found that when I began Reiki, you know, I did Reiki at the beginning and I thought it was all the things and it was working. It was so amazing. And I was like, oh, this is it. But that was just putting me right back in a box. And as I evolved, it wasn't so much Reiki anymore. And, you know, I still teach it and I still believe it's a great foundation, but I would never, ever suggest somebody just to be one thing I'm with you. And especially in the obsoletes, there's absolutely, I mean, it's infinity when it comes to the possibilities. So I never say never. (laughs) You know, Reiki probably was absolutely necessary for you at that point. And I I have experienced Reiki. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but I'll tell you something even, not you particularly, but the the listener, something may be sacrilegious, too much meditation may be bad for you. Oh, I've been there too. <laughs> who escape everyday life problems into health, fitness, meditation, yoga, whatever, you name it. Yes, you are 100% right. For myself, I could say that I've done that. And actually, it's the same thing as if, you know, you're scrolling and I found myself doing this too. Shopping online because I don't <laughs> want to think, you know, just like filling my brain. I'm filling all these carts up. I'm never going to buy any of that shit. <laughs> watching, watching all James Bond movies. <laughs> oh, mine is totally true crime. I have a true crime addiction. And I just feel like it's like filling space. But who am I to judge then? Actually, I think it's fine. It's fine if you're conscious and aware of what's going on. When it stops being fine is when you think that because this is a good thing. Okay, uh, leave aside shopping and and watching movies because that's questionable. Although, you know, (laughs) shopping actually sustains the economy and maybe economy is not such a bad thing after all. But that that aside, a lot of people think that if it's a healthy activity, it can't be too much of it. The question is, you know, it's so much easier to do something tangible. And it comes from a person who has been perfectionist all my life and I have been ambitious and uh, competitive uh, while hating competition. I know 
It's so easy, you know, we, we keep like, tell me, tell me what to do, give me the tutorial. I know how to put 100%, 120% in it. Yeah. And and this is like this brute force is what I know will bring me success. And that's why we get distracted into things which are tangible and understandable, leaving aside things which are so much harder to understand, like your relationship with yourself. How do you judge it? How do you understand? How do you improve it? It's mm -hmm. it's not tangible. You can't do a little bit more of it to make it work better. Wow. So that's why, that's why we run away into things which which are so much easier to follow. And like you said earlier, I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, the way that I receive energy and the, what I need in my life at this moment is completely different than someone else. I have a coaching program, but it's personalized. I can't just make it for everybody because we're all so different. It's impossible. I've tried because I thought this would be great. I'll just make one and everyone can just follow it. <laughs> but it, just, it that's like not realistic. We're so unique. And like you said, even myself going through different things in my life, you know, needing things at different points of my life. You know, when people say like spiritual awakening, I can't tell you how many awakenings I've gone through. <laughs> it sounds really silly, but I mean, from the very beginning until just this past year, it's like, I'm always constantly upgrading that awakening to, you know, something more of understanding, some more wisdom, accepting all of the flaws. I I'm definitely contributing to our issues with money here in America by shopping as often. <laughs> it's not very good. You see, that's that's the trap. Exactly yeah. uh, what my book is about. We, it's interesting. We kind of we understand the world better, and we we want to be better, and then we start feeling bad about not being perfect. Yeah. But what I'm trying to convey is that we are imperfect. That's our nature. And that's also, uh, in a way, a source of growth and transformation because you uh, you can't evolve. Imagine if you were perfect at this very moment. Yeah. What would you do for the rest of your life? I do not know, 50, 60, how many years? You had an interview with a guy then probably 150 or maybe 250. But <laughs> even, even if we take that current life expectancy, you can't be perfect because if you are, you're in essence denying yourself the, the the point of the rest of your life. It's such a burden to carry to try to be perfect. I get told all the time for my kids, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, mom, you know. No. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that I'm like also ADHD kind of perfectionist. <laughs> I'm like the most unorganized perfectionist ever. <laughs> well, uh, we are uh, we are contradictory very often inside yeah. ourselves. I mean, we are created yeah. with contradictions, which is which is uh, normal. I am introverted and I like to party, and I'm a uh, perfectionist, but uh, I also can't stand uh, perfection. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. I am by nature, and please don't judge me, but I'm by nature quite lazy, but I am also uh, very restless and I can't yeah. just stay in one place. So yeah. it's a lot of contradictions, a lot of the opposites. And again, it's because we are very often based in the idea that humans are bad. So we don't trust this contradiction. So we kind of force ourselves into the mold, which we think is right, rather than trusting nature and knowing that if you need a break, then take a break. But your uh, opposite uh, side, you know, the ADHD or, or in my case, restlessness will sooner or later lift its head and say, like, are we done? Shall we go? <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. don't trust ourselves. Right. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, you have to find a balance between the imperfection and the perfection or the ADHD <laughs> and the perfection. My daughter wanted me to put this vine on her wall and stuff just yesterday. And, and I'm trying to get it like perfect. And I go back and I try to get it perfect. And she's like, mom, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like leaves aren't perfect on a tree. Are they? <laughs> and I'm like, the wisdom of a child. <laughs> Smart kids. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You know, but there's no, no harm. I mean, if you if it doesn't uh, prevent you from doing things in life, then it's yeah. it's fine. I also, uh, we have a lot of paintings in the house and I always fix them if they're a little bit because I do not like when things are not aligned. Oh, you but, mean like if they're crooked on the wall? Yes. Oh my God, that drives me crazy. <laughs> but, yes. but it's okay. Has it ever stopped me from going on stage or writing a book? Yeah. No. 
I, I waste my time in many different peculiar and very sophisticated ways. So it's okay. The thing is that you are not supposed to be perfect. And maybe it is imperfect about me trying to make the pictures hang perfect. Right. And what's really, really sad about me just thinking about that, because my daughter, who I was talking about, she is a perfectionist. And she's fussing at me about not being perfect because I'm always telling her that. But she came into this world that way, Christina. I remember one of the very first things I ever saw in her, she would try to like put these two things together. They like would click together. She wasn't even a year old and she got so mad. She would get so mad. And I just saw this, you know, in her personality and she's so hard on herself and we talk about it out loud, but, and she says that. I'm not mad at you. I'm frustrated with myself. I'm mad at myself. She always says that. It's so sad. I'm like, I've never had expectations for her to be perfect. She came into this world that way. And so it's interesting because I've always wondered that with her. She's definitely an old soul. You wonder like how many of these things you carry on with you, you know, life to life. And that I would think personally, that those are the things you really need to work on. Because if we're evolving to the next life, we have to shed some of these things that we've come into the world with. And I would, I, I would question the, um, do we have? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I have to give a little disclaimer. I'm not a psychotherapist and I don't specialize in uh, mother-child relationships. So for me, it's, it's a little alien territory. So I wouldn't uh, dare to to comment on, on, on that particular situation. But I, I want to share my own experience because as I said, I am perfectionist and I used to uh, call myself a recovering perfectionist. I actually heard that phrase about probably over 10 years ago and for for about five, six, maybe seven years, I, I loved that phrase. I kept saying I'm recovering perfectionist until, until one day I realized that I can't recover from being myself. Mm. There. And there's a huge difference between bad habits and things which are intrinsic to you. Mm-hmm. And not everything which is intrinsic to you is perfect. And some things are a little bit of a handicap. And I'm not talking about physical handicap right now. And the question is, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. You can't shame yourself out of being you. You can't train yourself out of being you. And if you put all this effort into eradic- eradicating something which is so intrinsically part of you, aren't you wasting your energy in the wrong direction? Yes, so when you have a dragon like that, and I just called quite a few of my own dragons, and perfectionism is the easiest dragon because a lot of people are pretty yeah. proud of being perfectionists. But the thing is that when you have a dragon, you know, people say slay the dragons. I say don't slay your dragon. Mm. if you're smoking yes that's a bad habit try to give it up if you can because that's a really unhealthy habit but there are things about you which make you you and when you're trying to eradicate that part of you not only you're denying yourself the right to just be unapologetically you but you're also you're also refocusing your energy on something totally futile and unproductive Mm -hmm. and you're also missing an opportunity because the dragons are not meant to be slayed. They're meant to be tamed. Mm-hmm. You look at the dragon in your eye and you ask yourself a question. Okay, this is me. I accept that. Can I now learn to live with that dragon so that mm-hmm. it doesn't prevent me from doing things that I'm meant to do? Perfectionism is still part of me. I will forever be perfectionist, but it doesn't stop me from doing things. Mm-hmm. moreover the next step is actually look your dragon in the face and ask how is this dragon how can i make this curse into my blessing yeah that's so beautiful this happened to me so years ago you know like over a decade ago i figured out that i was very codependent and you know i've always been this very yes person all the things and I've been compared to my mama who is the martyr of the family and because I used to worship that I wanted to be like her and I was and people would tell me all the time and then when I found this strength within me you know to have the self-love for the first time because prior I was so selfless and I battled because I became like like I felt this strength that I had never felt before, but then I was like, but that was me, you know, like I am a giving person. Like I love to help and nurture 
people, mm-hmm. but yet I looked at it as a weakness, which is not a weakness. So I had to find this balance and I had to accept that is who you are. You are a giver and that's okay. That's a beautiful thing. You just have need boundaries, you know? And so I had to look it in the face, just like you said, and I had to tame it. I had to tame it with boundaries, but I still can be who I am inside. It was, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad you brought that up. Such wisdom. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad because it's it's a much uh, more, uh, I don't know, fulfilling way of living. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, and uh, and to, to bring it to a slightly lighter note, though, you know, there's this movie that um, <laughs> we watched with my kids, X-Men. And I, I love to bring this uh, analogy because it's so uh, vivid. There's the character Mystique, who's blue and scaly, and she has red hair. So she, if you've seen the movie, you would know how I talk about yeah. it. And she's a shapeshifter, so she can take any shape, but obviously it takes some energy for her to do that. So half of the movie, she walks around like a beautiful girl, a beautiful young girl, until until her friend says uh, that, you know, uh, while you're trying to be someone else, you're uh, taking half of your focus away from things that matter. Mm-hmm. And there's this, if you, if you Google it, you'll find this episode where he's saying that it's uh, from X-Men First Class. Uh, and... Uh, that's that's actually uh, i mean in this movie it's just very illustrative the way the way it works how very often by trying to be someone else we are removing an energy energy from things that truly matter and this is the most practical explanation why it's so important to embrace yourself the way you are because first of all it's so much easier to to bridle your uh, your dragon Mm -hmm. Uh, than to then to try to kill it you can create boundaries you can create systems to 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 live with that thing in you and to stop being so miserable about being something which you which doesn't correspond to your picture of perfection is this what your book is about (laughs) this is great I believe I do talk about a lot of those things in my book, maybe with different analogies, because you know time goes, and uh, I, I may I may see something inspiring and then bring another example. So I don't use the same words, but the messages are the same. Because it's so beautiful, it's true. It's like I came into this world that way, just like my daughter did, just like you did, and it turned into a dragon, probably only because it wasn't nurtured and loved as a child. You see, our our obsession with perfectionism is the thing that creates the dark side. Yeah. And I'm not paraphrasing Yoda right now. Uh, <laughs> the thing is that, uh, you know, when you have a picture of what it means to be the best version of you, when uh, you suspect that you are not corresponding to that picture, our brain doesn't like when reality is threatening to us. So it starts distorting the reality. So rather than dealing with the problem, we try to shove it away, you know, sweep it under the rug, put it in the dark corner. So what happens is that darkness kind of piles up, but it doesn't disappear. So obsession with perfectionism, in fact, creates the dragons, which we later have to to learn to deal with. Mm -hmm. And that for me was a constant battle because it was like, natural for me to want to help but I was like seriously consciously saying no I will say no but because society tells you all the things you have to do you have to you have to do this 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 and we keep doing that in out of best intentions because we think that's what's going to make us better you're so right wow it really was a freedom to not have to do that anymore and just to flow and just be natural in me because if, if you're having to actually stop and be conscious every single time you freaking think about <laughs> to answer a question or anything that's it's that's not a natural flow <laughs> not at all it's- it's a lot of energy going in the wrong places and um, yeah. it requires quite a lot of maturity to start accepting people the way you are uh, they they are but it starts with yeah. myself one of the main uh principles in my life is my relationship with the world is a reflection of my relationship with myself. So, uh, and that's something which I've also learned from personal growth. The more uh, tolerating you are of your quirks and your dragons, the more, the easier it is to become tolerating of other people's quirks and dragons. The more forgiving you are of yourself, the easier it is to forgive other people. That's why I think self-love is such an important skill. We think we might be mistakenly thinking that we live in a self-obsessed world. Actually, it is self-obsessed, but self-obsession is not self-love. 
It's a distortion of self-love. Selfishness is not excess of self-love. It's a distortion of self-love. If self, if, if, if you're a vessel and love is liquid, self-love is the liquid which is in the vessel. Selfishness, self-obsession, uh, you know, when your need for admiration, for likes and comments and whatnot, for your need for success, for, for fame, it's all lack of self-love because you pour the liquid from outside. If your cup is full, there's no, nothing that you can't pour anything more in. We misunderstand self-love because we consider a lot of the distortions of self-love as access of self-love, whereas it's, it's the opposite. When people act self-obsessed, it's because they don't have enough for themselves. When people act, you know, inconsiderate, it's because they can't be considerate of themselves. So they, they require that void to be filled from the outside. That's why I think whatever triggers you in your relationship with children, for me, it's always an invitation or whatever triggers me in my relationship. And I am a very easily triggered person. I always have, for me, that's, uh, that's an invitation to sit down and ask myself, so what's going on inside? Why is it triggering me? Yeah. Do you know what the older kids try to do is they have this trigger. They're all upset. They come home and they're looking for you to put it all on. <laughs> and now I'm just like, nope, not mine. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very natural um, defense mechanism. It's called... Um, displacement i think if i'm not mistaken right now we we have a lot of uh, interesting ways to deal with the reality which uh, which we don't enjoy because well you know our brain is built in a way to protect us from harm and reality yeah. which we don't like is harm and so the brain starts working hard on on making it look better <laughs> but that's okay uh the thing is that do you do you know the tricks of your brain we, one of the things that we like to do is we like to to be angry with someone else but there are other ways to how we deal with that passive aggression is a very common way to deal with with the reality which doesn't fit our picture of perfection and it's probably one of the most widespread uh, defense mechanisms yeah. i do that as well uh, the the word which has is becoming a little more popular right now uh, spiritual bypassing it's an umbrella term for a lot of defense mechanisms uh, some of my favorites are you know reaction formation where we don't own our own feelings but we kind of see the problem in other people. Mm. So there, there are a lot of ways how we uh, make ourselves feel better. And the best thing we can do for ourselves is let people be and just ask myself, okay, what is hurting me? Yeah. And I think knowing and understanding that each person has their own journey, that when a person starts to understand that this is my energy, this is my journey, this is my soul's evolution, and just owning that. And then you kind of like you were saying, kind of respect the other person's journey and what they're going through. We're all at our own, but yet we're all together. <laughs> but I believe uh, it would be better if if we first took care of our own relationship with ourselves and then looked on the outside and, and see how we can make this world a better place. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't want to make the world a better place. I have become incredibly environmentally conscious now that I've moved back to Europe and I'm so uh, happy with that. And that's an attempt to manipulate the current reality, you know, by trying to, to solve uh, at least some problems. So, of course, it doesn't mean that uh, you don't want to change the world or make it better. Yeah, I think, you know, it's really funny. This podcast has always had like these themes of message. And so far, 2023's message has been strongly, very strongly fix you inside. And then you actually are helping the collective as well. True, true. And I used to say that to fix you before you fix the world, but now I've replaced the word fix with uh, heal because fixing implies yeah. brokenness. I, and I don't think that people are broken. They're wounded, uh, which is why I prefer the word healing or talking about pain rather than what's wrong with you, because uh, it's it's such a heavy thing to think that you're broken and you need fixing. Healing implies just being human and being mm -hmm. human is imperfect, messy and beautiful. So glad that you came on. Can you tell everybody where they can find your book, social medias and all that good stuff? So all my social media is under the handle Christina Mund and Christina is written in an Estonian way with a K, <laughs> a little unusual. But my book is on mindvalley.com slash books slash flossum. And it's uh, plural books and flossum. 
That's where you can get my book. At this point, it's still pre-orders. It comes with a 10-day program, which I recorded uh, to accompany the book. It's actually, it was recorded later and, uh, and the book is completely standalone thing. But I know that people don't like waiting <laughs> for the shipping to happen and everything. So I give the program to, to make the waiting better. It's a program on self-love. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Okay, well, perfect. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna truly get online and do that today. And now it's time to break that shit down. I would like to leave you guys with a quote by Cinderella's mom from the 2005 movie, because I think it's one of the best advice: "Have courage and be kind." Good one. That was in the movie Cinderella. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love your movie references. <laughs> You know, sometimes we underestimate the depth of fiction. There's a lot of wisdom in uh, the beautiful yeah. things that have been created. And actually, why I love uh, learning personal growth from uh, fiction is because it comes with a beautiful life story. Maybe yeah. fictional, but it's beautiful and it, it takes you mm -hmm. to a different world. And I've learned some of the most profound lessons about seeing beauty in probably desperate places from uh, Dostoevsky, for example, or uh, the beauty of imperfections. And every single author, believe it or not, they are all predecessors of uh, our contemporary personal growth teachers. But they yeah. were doing it in a yeah. slightly different format. And they actually give you the transformation because do you remember in the very beginning I said, very often knowledge doesn't change anything you have to experience you mm -hmm. may know that happiness is within you all you want but you know if your child is sick that affirmation is not going to make you feel better you have to feel what it means for it to change your life which is why fiction is so powerful because it creates a story if you say uh, i i have referred to lord of the rings but if you if you uh go on that journey with frodo or bilbo whichever of the books you take Whatever lesson that that journey had, you have experienced it. Yeah. You have, in a way, lived it. Mm -hmm. So it's fiction comes with deep ideas yeah. coupled with experience, which we very often miss in uh, in in just regular trainings. I love that. It's so true. I know a lot of you will be now very tempted to say to share, but I have to quote <laughs> Dumbledore. Just oh, because it. it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Oh, that's a good word. Wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Christina. You are such a beautiful person. I'm so glad that you blessed us with your wisdom today. And I look forward to reading your book. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a very enjoyable conversation. All right. It was nice to meet you. It was nice to, to get to know you. Yes, thank you. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one -on -one or help support Sense of Soul Podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.